Hello, you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And that was Herman Even, and I'm Paul Moore, and glad you're here with us. Herman, the last time, actually the last several times we were together, you were talking about listening. Mm -hmm. Listening is an observational skill. You gave us a formula. In fact, the formula, you said that listening is humility plus focus plus curiosity equals listening. Right. And you said it was an underrated skill for leaders. And I was like, wait a minute, I've been a leader and I've been to all kinds of courses, but I never heard that formula. And after you taught it, I really realized I was missing something. And so now here's a strange question. Maybe my paradigm for leadership isn't what I think it is. It certainly can be because too many times people have a tendency to focus on leaders from a vastly different viewpoint than the way God actually shows us in the way that Paul demonstrates it in in uh, the the epistles the, where he writes especially to the Corinthians. So uh, let's let's talk about that right after we pray. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that you do provide us all what we need, especially in these very important areas like leadership. And we just don't listen, don't pay attention, and therefore we mess up how we can lead the best. I pray that you give us clarity in our communication as we talk about this very important area in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad you prayed because, dear Lord, I need help today. One of the keys also to leadership fits into that formula for listening. One of the absolute most important values that's vastly underrated. In fact, I believe all of the six values that we teach for for leaders are vastly underrated. But the one value that truly is underrated is humility. That is a leadership value. That is a leadership attribute that is underrated and seldom taught. I only know of one secular source that is teaching it from a from some viewpoint, and that's Jim Collins in A Good to Great, where he talks about level five leaders, and to reach that fifth level, humility is absolutely required. Okay, I, I don't want to come out from left field, but in 1995, Philip Yancey wrote this book called The Jesus I Never Knew. Mm-hmm. And I'd been in and out of seminary and a lot of things, and I read that book, and I was like, huh? And all of a sudden, I start hearing you talk about leadership and authority and all these different things, and I'm right there. It's like the leadership I never knew. Mm-hmm. I went to the John Wayne School, which, you know, Attila the Hun was yeah. another place you could go. But that's, that's what most people believe about leadership. Most people believe that leadership is this big personality, upfront person that is making people, controlling people to make them get someplace. That isn't the way that leadership works best. In fact, what I want to talk about with this concept of leadership, maybe we'll finish today, maybe not, is three big aspects. One, there is a freeing component, meaning leadership is freeing. Secondly, leadership is gentle. Thirdly, leadership is service-oriented or serves. Leadership serves. Those three aspects are not typically taught when it comes to leadership. Okay, if we were playing Family Feud and there were ten answers on the board, those would have called a thousand people. <laughs> these three would not have been one of those ten. That's exa- that's a, a great analogy. That's a, that's exactly right. Few people would have guessed that those would be three things very important for leadership. Right. I mean. 
mean, you know the show. We polled, you know, a thousand people. We asked them their top ten <laughs> responses for what is leadership or give us attributes. And these three things that you just said, freeing, gentle, and service. They they won't show up. In fact, uh, let me just quickly state, and then we'll get into how leadership is freeing. The values that we talk about with great leaders is self-governance, humility, sacrifice, freedom, and valuing people. And then all five of those sit on the bedrock of truth. That's the six values that any great leader needs to have in order to lead effectively and lead the way God wants him to lead. So let's talk about the one aspect, this idea of freeing, because... Okay, but can I clarify for a second? When you say leaders, Mm -hmm. you just mean fathers as heads of home or pastors as heads of church. This doesn't apply to leadership across the spectrum, right? Great question. Thanks for bringing that up because that is often misunderstood as it relates to leadership. Now, our simple definition of leadership is this. Leaders are committed to influence others to get there. Now, just think about that. There's, there's a, probably a lot that needs to be described in that. There, what there? I just showed up for a paycheck. Yeah, well, there means you know the the end result, where everybody needs to go, where the leader wants to go, and that leader is committed to influence others to get there. That's the idea. So that means that anybody can lead at any time. It just simply means any person that wants to get someplace, they commit to going there. And based on their example, they influence others to go along. So that's the that's the way that you can broaden this idea of leadership. It doesn't doesn't mean you have to have a position. It doesn't mean that you have to be in a specific authority place. You simply need to be dedicated, committed to getting someplace, and that's going to potentially influence others. Okay, I don't want to sidetrack us on a discussion about leadership, but this there, part of this there, here, path thing, may we talk about it in the future, please? Absolutely. We'll talk about THP. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. THP, there, here, path, but leaders are influencing people to get there. To get there, that's right. So you said influencing. Influence is not control. Influence is not control. That's absolutely true, and that leads us into to this very first and very important element related to our example that we have with Paul. Let me read this passage out of 2 Corinthians 13, 2 through 4. In fact, this is one of the books in the Bible that I doubt if very many people are going to point to to go, here is a great example of how to lead. You know, they're not going to go to 2 Corinthians, and yet you look at nope, Paul. never heard it. Yeah, you go and look at the way Paul led these believers and the way he dealt with them. Listen to this one passage. It's kind of difficult to go through and talk about, but let me do the best I can with you in this short amount of, uh, of time that we have here. It first says in 2 Corinthians 13, 2 through 4, I, meaning Paul, write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we live with him by the power of God toward you. Now, as you read this, 
or even listen to it. It's kind of tough to hear it because you, you really, it seems to be disjointed. But this is a very important passage because just get the background here real quick. He is writing to some people that did not change their behavior when he first talked to them. And that's the reason why he says, I write to those who have sinned before. I have talked about this in the past is, is, is really the way he's, he's bringing this up. I've talked to you about this in the past. Now we're going to talk about it again. And what you would expect at that point in time would be something like, you darn well better get your act together. Right? That's what you would kind of expect. Yet he goes and says it very differently. Uh, I'm writing to those who sinned before and to everybody else uh, that if I come again, I won't spare since you seek proof of Christ speaking in me. That seems to be disjointed and goes off in a different direction. I'd like to read to you the New Living Translation of that particular passage, but let's do that right after the break. I want to talk about this translation. I really want to go deep into it, but I would like to do is say two different things. Of course, our website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeratrelationships.com is the website. You can go listen to the program, or more importantly, maybe a lot of people don't know that you're an executive coach and a business instructor, and people can go to greatleaders.com. That's grnumeratleaders.com. definitions for great relationships. We have all asked, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is never abusing them for the wrong they did to you, ever again, not in thoughts, words, or actions. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Roll up your sleeves, put on your hard hat, and grab your toolbox. It's time for Christians to get to work in our culture. Let's think and act biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack on simple tools for brain surgery. As a conductor on the Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman led over 300 slaves to freedom. And because of her bold escapades, a $40,000 reward was offered for the woman nicknamed Moses. Her trust in her creator was obvious. She once said, There are two things I have a right to, liberty and death. I will fight for my liberty as long as my strength lasts. And when the time comes for me to go, the Lord will let them take me. At age 93 on her deathbed, she led friends in singing spirituals and saying prayers. This conductor on the Freedom Express completely trusted the engineer of her train to glory. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. You're listening to Great Relationships, Pursuing the Best in Work, Life, and Love. And along that, we're learning new things about leadership, things we never knew before, how leadership is freeing. Herman, before the break, you had read to us 2 Corinthians 13, 2 through 4 out of the New King James Version. He wanted us to hear the New Living Translation that it might help us understand better. Right. Let me, let me read that. It starts off by saying, I have already warned those who have been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now I again warn them and all others, just as I did before, that this time I will not spare them. 
I will give you all the proof you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak in his dealings with you. He is a mighty power among you. Although he died on the cross in weakness, he now lives by the mighty power of God. We too are weak, but we live in him and have God's power, the power we use in dealing with you. Now, here's what's so interesting about this passage. To me, there is a perception that the people have of Paul and then there's reality that Paul is bringing out. That's what's, that's what's going on in these verses. What they perceive of Paul is that Christ does not speak through Paul. That's what they're actually saying. There are some other ways that that comes out in, the, in that particular book, but there is a perception of Paul that Paul is weak and Christ really doesn't speak through him. So that'd be the first thing. That's one of their perceptions. And yet Paul, the way Paul answers this, he is saying, yeah, Christ does speak through me and I'm going to prove it to you. He's laying it out in that format. The second thing that they had a perception of was Christ won't deal with our sin. It's not that big of a deal that we've sinned. And Paul, in his leadership, is saying, wait a second here in this particular passage, Christ is mighty in you, and he deals with sin and disobedience. He's laying out the reality to them again. So we see two big items here. They had a wrong perception, and Paul, in his leadership, is getting them into reality. If you remember right, one of the keys that I said is absolutely essential for leaders is truth, the value of truth. And a synonym of truth is reality. Okay. So here Paul is basically dealing with a very important issue that's saying you have a bad perception of how things really are. Let me lay it out to you about how it really does work. That doesn't jive well with the John Wayne School of the Attila the Hun School of Leadership. No, in fact, it does sound fairly strong the way that he starts here. He's saying, well, he's I'm not, not going to spare you. Yeah, he's, he's, he's saying, I'm not going to spare you. That sounds like the John Wayne version, but you're going to see how it really isn't that as we get into these other items of perception and reality. So we gave you the first two perceptions. Christ does not speak through Paul. And Paul says, no, I'm going to show you that he does. Uh, secondly, Christ won't deal with our sin. And Paul goes, Christ is mighty in you and he deals with sin and disobedience. So that's reality. Third one, their perception was that Christ's death on the cross showed that he was weak, not strong. That's what's so interesting. And Paul, in laying his argument out here, was Christ was strong when he died he won and is alive by the power of God. Now, that's the really the beginning of a major bit of reality that Paul is wanting these believers to get into. So you can get the picture again. He's going, I talked to you before about your sin, and you didn't do anything about it. It's time that you do something about it. I'm not going to spare you this time. But you're going to see how he's not the one that's not going to spare in, in a little bit. So he's going, you have bad perceptions here. You have bad information. God's going to deal with this. And you have a bad representation and bad mental image here about how Christ was weak. He wasn't weak. He won on the cross. He didn't die and go away. He won. So that's the third perception. Then that is tied directly to a fourth perception. Paul is weak, so we don't need to listen to him. 
And Paul in these verses are saying, yes, we are weak just like Christ. <laughs> notice notice the, the <laughs> irony there, right? Because <laughs> he's going, they're going, well, Christ is weak because he died. And, and Paul is going, yeah, I'm, I'm weak just like Christ is weak. <laughs> Crazy like a fox. <laughs> That's right. And then the fifth perception that was wrong is that Paul has no power. And Paul specifically says here, uh, we will use God's power when dealing with you. Now, that is a very important statement. Go back to the beginning where it says, this time I will not spare them. Actually, what Paul is saying there is, therefore, I will not spare you means God will not spare you. Now, why is all this so important? Because Paul doesn't need to have any power. Now, I want you to let that soak in. Paul does not need to have any power in this situation that he's dealing with these people. Great leaders understand that they don't need to have power in and of themselves. They just need to have the power of God behind them to be a utilized authority channel. They don't have any power in and of themselves. Paul didn't have any power in and of himself, but he did have the power of God that he knew the truth of how God operates. And he said, God's not going to spare you this time. I don't need to get all upset and start yelling at you and, you know, get mad and, and start, you know, turning up the volume in my speech and everything else. All I'm going to tell you is Christ is not weak. We are weak, just like Christ. And God's not going to spare you if you don't change. Now, notice, I can, I can say it just that way. I don't have to beat you. Reality is harsh enough. Yeah, that's exactly right. Just think about the power of that. If we as leaders would understand that when you deal in truth, you don't have to defend truth. It defends itself. That's what's so cool about leading in a way that frees them up to see. Because anytime you turn up the volume and try to make people change, you actually create this barrier and they're going to respond negatively to that as opposed to the way Paul is doing it. He's just going, you have bad thinking here. Let me tell you how it really works. God's not going to spare you. And literally I could add to that because I'm going to show you some other passages that will support what I'm just getting ready to say. He doesn't sit there and go, and God won't spare you, and I'm really hoping that he just really deals with you in a really negative way. He doesn't say it that way at all. He basically says very differently, and God won't spare you, and I beg you, beg you to pay attention here. I know from having talked to you a lot that if I try to emphasize control, mm -hmm. right, or impose control, right. I get rebellion. Mm-hmm. So Paul doesn't impose control. He speaks reality. He gives freedom. And yet we ignore it. Why? It's so interesting. Why is not reality convicting? Well, it does have a better chance to convict when you don't lay out this big barrier of them working against you. When you lay it out the way that Paul has laid it out here, simply saying, you know, God's not going to spare you. 
and he he doesn't become an obstacle to them meaning so often when we start yelling and screaming at somebody raising our temperature you know our temper tantrums toward them it literally gets them mad at you as opposed to paying attention to the message. And what Paul is doing here, he's just laying out the reality of the message and inviting <laughs> inviting them to think about it differently. But I answered my own question. I don't want reality. I want my way. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if you're not going to give me my way. Yeah. That's what, unfortunately, people end up doing. They end up going their own way. But when you as a leader lay the reality out to them and you don't become another one of the obstacles for them to to see the reality, you give them a better chance to see the reality when you simply invite them to see it rather than demand that they see it. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was relying on God's power. He wasn't relying on his own. That's the reason why we use this little statement, which is find the power outside, not inside. Wow. Thank you, Herman. If you're like me, Herman has said something that's caused you to go off in your own mind and you kind of left the conversation for a minute. No problem. You can go to greatrelationships.com, grnumeratrelationships.com, and you can listen to this conversation as many times as you want. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. When stress hits the system, pathology overrides theology every time unless you are sold out to the truth. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. GreatRelationships.com, that's GRNumeratRelationships.com is the website. You can click on the radio tab, listen to this program, share it with friends, or you know what, you can get the study guide, do a bunch of stuff. Before the break, you were telling me that Paul in 2 Corinthians is saying, look, it's not me, it's Christ in me that's mm-hmm. the authority, and I'm not here to beat you up. Reality is what I'm trying to speak to you in love. He's not beating him with it. He's saying, I'm inviting you to see it. So am I understanding correctly? Paul is just saying, I'm not the authority. I'm just the channel. Excellent way to say it. That's a great thing. We can even make that the one thing to remember, <laughs> you know, that we miss this idea of what authority is. is. There is only one authority, and it's God. Every other 
thing in the entire uh, creation is an authority channel. And You're taking me back to the fundamental. <laughs> yeah. Am I going to trust God or trust something other than God? That's exactly right. And leaders are saying, great leaders are saying, I'm going to trust that God is the authority and I'm either using his authority properly and channeling it properly to others or I'm abusing that. That is what Paul was doing with this little statement here. He is basically saying, saying, I love the way you said that, he's basically saying, I give you the freedom to make a decision on your own, but God's not going to spare you. You can, you can talk all day long about how weak I am, or maybe even Christ is weak. That's just wrong. God's not going to spare you because he is the authority. And I'm just here to share what he thinks about this with you. Please get into reality. And that's, and that's, that's <laughs> you can't see it, but gravity is real. There are consequences. Absolutely. And God invented gravity. Absolutely. And when, when a leader, this is the reason why leadership is freeing, not only for the people that you're leading, but also for yourself. When you realize that you simply need to pay attention to the truth, and lead with truth, it doesn't require you to have to make people do anything. You invite them rather than demand that they do something. You invite them to go along with you. That's what God actually is doing with his entire creation. When he sent his son to die on the cross, he is inviting us to a better life. He's not demanding that we do it. He's inviting us to have a better life. So when we take God out of school, when we take God out of government, we're, we're missing our who said so. Yeah. You are actually acting, when we do these type of things, we are acting like we are the authority, and we have the the ability to make decisions wisely. We don't. And don't, God don't, gives us the freedom to discover gravity. That's right. He totally gives us the freedom to walk outside the boundary and experience the consequences. That's what sin is, crossing the boundary, transgressing the boundary into doing life differently than God stated it should be. That's the whole concept of freedom again. God is saying, as you lead, you're, you're totally free to trust in my power to live through you to work to the benefit of those under you. So if I'm a leader, be it Cub Scouts, a husband and a father, a business owner, whatever, should I be asking myself, what is it that God is asking me to be a conduit of his authority? Absolutely. Because... The world is saying, I said, just like you were, you were talking about before. Uh, but, but when you look at leadership from the viewpoint of God, it's, well, God says. <laughs> you know? And when you look at it from the world's viewpoint, leadership is over. And God is saying, no, leadership is under. It serves. It's, it's, a, it's a freeing concept. Your commission is to pay attention to what God is really saying here. And he's going to deal with your, with your sin. And I invite you to consider otherwise. Another very important thing as it relates to God is the only authority and we're just an authority channel is the fact that Every bit of God's authority is to be used for edification and development of people rather than beating them over the head. You mean we don't get to do an inquisition? <laughs> no, we don't. And it's, that's, that's a big problem with so many leaders. They think that, it, that it's more about them rather than about the power of God and edifying people to understand the reality of God's power. For instance, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 8 says, 
is our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction. God's power is being given to Paul so that he can help them grow and learn and change. He's not being given that power to destroy them and, and, and uh, play Lord over them. Okay, but in 2 Corinthians 10, 8, he says, our authority. So I'm sure he's going to be relational and play it down. <laughs> they have the same authority that he has if they're a believer. That's what's so interesting about that. Oh, so now you're going to take me to verse 1310. Yeah, 13. The, the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Again, it's saying the same thing, saying that authority is to be used for the benefit of people, not for tearing them down, not for lording it over them. So these this little bit, this little bit of information that we've talked about here is so important. So let me give you a, 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 a summary as best that I can. First and foremost, you don't need to have a bunch of raising your voice and, and raising the volume to try to get people to do the right thing. You just simply need to lay out the facts. And here's the consequences if you don't do it. The facts by invitation, not intimidation. That's right. Lovely way you said it. Thank you. And Herman, I really want to talk about this next time to continue on. So if you will, again, the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeratelationships.com. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? <laughs> Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others. Kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. <laughs> 